Coming to you from the greatest city in the world, this is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Welcome in, everybody, to yet another special on-location edition of our show. I am so pleased to welcome country music icons, the Bellamy Brothers, David and Howard. The brothers' career has spanned over four decades and multiple platinum-selling records. Their first hit, Let Your Love Flow, was a success in pop music before the duo returned to their cowboy roots, exploring country music. Their first country hit, If I Said You Had a Beautiful Body, Would You Hold It Against Me?, used double entendre to shoot the group to the top of the U.S. country chart. The brothers' new autobiography, Let Your Love Flow, Life and Times of the Bellamy Brothers, explores how their grit, personality, determination, and wit took them from rural poverty to the heights of country music stardom. The book is available now by clicking the link in the description box below. Welcome, David and Howard Bell. Thank you. This is a true joy. It's quite an introduction. Well, it's uh, <laughs> quite a career. Quite a career. What led you to your decision to perform together as a duo instead of pursuing solo careers? Well, you know, we had, we had sung together all of our lives anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, uh, people always seem to enjoy it, you know, and... Uh, and what was one of our strengths, you know, the, the one of, what was one of our weaknesses would be the other one's strength, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it, things just seemed to work for us together, and, uh, you know, things kept going on. We were in several bands when, you know, the, the whole band was featured, you know, but we seemed to be always the only two left in the group, so <laughs> it was one... <laughs> At one point, you know, well, let's just call ourselves the Bellamy Brothers, kind of thing. But you know, all these stories are in the book, actually. How, yeah, how that we're uh, just released today, as yes. a matter of fact. Yes. And uh, the the lengthy version of the stories are, are in the book about how it all kind of evolved. That's really really great. Now, in the book and in the talking points I have, you talk about your complementary personalities and and how that really works. How does that work for you guys together in your music? And in, in your life, well, I, I don't know. I guess it is a it, our personalities are, do complement each other. We never thought of it that way. I guess you know ourselves, but I think more than that is um, is when we were younger and we were working at the ranch and growing up with our parents. I think they taught us to work together, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a, re- a requirement to work together, and so we. Um, you know, we had to do certain chores. We had to do we had certain responsibilities in, uh, in in whatever we did, and so we we learned that sort of early on, and, and we just it's just kind of instilled in us. It's really really cool, David. Actually, I want to talk to you about a project of yours that I don't know you've, if you've talked about this a lot, but this is a song I listened to a lot growing up, "Spiders and Snakes." Oh yeah, yeah. And I know Jim Stafford was also the one who encouraged both of you to move to Los Angeles. So where did Spiders and Snakes come from? So funny, so cool, and then how did that relationship with Stafford evolve for both of you? It was, um, there was a, um, well, was the song itself first started with, uh, uh, the idea came from, uh, Howard and I used to have this old shack at the ranch and when we would be out drinking a little bit too much and we didn't want our mom to know, we would, we would crash over the shack instead of going home. Mm-hmm. We both had, we had sleeping bags in there you know, and uh, so we went in there one night after we'd been out, and Howard climbed into his sleeping bag, and a chicken snake was inside of it already. Oh wow! And uh, and and he uh, he shot out of there like you know he made a new hole in the wall, 
And so that was kind of, of course, I, it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And uh, so that was kind of the beginning of that old, that, that old shack was kind of full of critters like that. It was spiders in there and stuff. So uh, that was the beginning of that song. I didn't realize at the time when I wrote it, you know, that it would, uh, that it would become the first, the first hit, the first thing that, you know, we ever had success on it. But uh, there was a producer down in St. Petersburg named Phil Gernhardt, and we kept trying to get in to see him, uh, which was really hard at that time. You know, he was kind of the only big music person in the area. And I took it over to him, and he pretty much rejected it. Um, but, the, um, but the tape, there was a tape box, the reel-to-reel tape boxes, where uh, there, was one, there was a copy of it laying over there, and Jim Stafford came into his office and saw the title on the tape box and, and he was intrigued by the title. Oh, wow. So he picked it up and put it on the machine and and he called me up and and said uh, he said hey you know can I uh, can I kind of rework this for my own singing style my because he had kind of a storytelling talk singing stuff and so I said yeah that's great man we did it and it became sold three million records. Mm -hmm. Yeah it's it was it's that Dong, ba dong, 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 dong. Yeah. That defined my childhood. That really <laughs> did. Because when I was small, my grandparents would travel to Branson and they'd bring back the tapes and sure. I, I took to it. So I had to ask you about that. And then, Howard, you were his road manager. I, we don't want to blow on him too long, but I'm just curious what that was like working with him. All yeah, I kind of I kind of inherited that job. I, you know, Gallagher, the comedian Gallagher, yes. was his road manager before me. Yep. And uh, Jim and Gallagher kind of had this... Uh, love-hate relationship. They were both comedians, of course, mm -hmm. and uh, they, they truly were both incredibly talented, but they didn't always get along. <laughs> and I, I ended up working with uh, all three of us together for a while, and I ended up being more of a referee than anything, and then I kind of evolved right. I was, uh, I was, uh, became Jim's road manager for, well, quite a while, really. Yeah. You know, we we had to have some source of money as well. You know, so to keep the cash flowing, I needed a job. So, I toured all over the United States with the gym for I don't know, what, two years, a couple two, of years, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and extensively everywhere. And uh, so, uh, yeah, and and we lived in uh, Jim's basement in, in L.A. Oh, with, wow. with Gallagher. He was our yeah. roommate. He was our roommate and for a long time. In Jim's, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. No. Go in the sledgematic was. It, uh, being invented and, and all of that, the pop-up circus was invented there, and of course Gallagher used to uh, he used to live on roller skates. He did, he never walked. He roll he roller skated everywhere and and smoked pot. That's all he did. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Forgive me for asking. I just I find the interest in the stories and how all of these people, your careers of this generation, intertwine. It's so it's yeah. so fascinating to me. And then your first success was a pop hit, and then you moved over to country music. What was that like to have that? that pop success and then what was the decision to go to country well, music? Well, it was really not a, it wasn't really a conscious decision. It was, you know, we grew up uh, very country. You know, mm -hmm. we were we were always country. Never, we never was. Uh, but our band the, and the bands we had together, we played a big variety of music because we always found that we could get more work that way. You know, because mm -hmm. back then you had to learn the hits and go play, you know, what people wanted to hear. Doing original music was kind of tough at that time. So we could literally play anything from an R&B hit to a, to, a, to a rock and roll hit, to a country hit, whatever you wanted to hear. So um, when we went to L.A. after Spiders and Snakes, of course, um, 
we went out to work on Jim's show, moved out there because he had a summer replacement show for the Smothers Brothers. Yeah. So I was writing some music for it. Gallagher was writing some comedy. Howard was still road managing at that time, on the road, back and forth with Jim all the time. You know, and uh, when we had Let Your Love Flow, you know, such a huge record all over the world, about the time that record was ending, it was waning a little bit down here, um, disco kind of moved in real heavy at that time. Mm -hmm. And the pop scene was, was changing somewhat, or there are the pop radios, per se, you know. And, uh, you know, we, we put some country songs on the first album anyway with Let Your Love Flow, and we, were, and we wanted to pursue that. The label we were with were like, nah, we don't want to fool with anything country. They didn't, they didn't want nothing to do with it. So by the time this, this all evolved a little bit, you know, it was natural for us to, to come up and, and do some of the country stuff that we mm -hmm. had. And so uh, Beautiful Body happened to be one of those things, and we uh, we talked the label. And it was funny to me because we had to talk the label into cutting Let Your Love Flow and Beautiful Body. They, they didn't really want to cut either one of them. Why so, not? Why were they getting this? Well, they, uh, as far as Love Flow, uh, Gernhardt had heard Love Flow, had been pitched to him before uh, because uh, uh, Neil Diamond's roadie wrote it, and, and um, Dennis St. John had pitched him, Neil's drummer had pitched him the uh, song several times, and he was like just lukewarm on it. Mm -hmm. So when we heard it, we went crazy over it. We got with Dennis and sort of, you know, pushed him and said, hey, you know, we need, we need to cut this. And, and so we did because because Neil Neil's band had cut the original demo. Mm -hmm. and they knew it backwards and forwards. So. And, and so as far as um, body, uh, by the time we cut that, they were just like, well, I don't know. You know, it might be okay. But, but see, we played, it, we played it at a Conway Twitty show in Louisville, Kentucky. And before it was recorded and the crowd went nuts. Oh, wow. I mean, we knew, we had that instant, that instant, you know, focus group, you know, they, they went crazy when we cut it. And Conway, we came backstage and Conway goes, boys, I think that's a hit. You know, so you're going to, what are you going to argue with Conway 20? No. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody has ever survived an argument with Conway 20. That, that's, that's interesting. And it's interesting that all of your songs, most of your songs, your, your hits, they have an element of, of wit in them that I think a lot of country music, especially classic, classic country music, can sometimes lack. Where, where does your sense of humor come from in the writing? Is it those days working with comedy novelty artists, or is it your upbringing? What, what, where does that wit well, come it from? Well, it was guys? truly the upbringing. Uh, our family were actually warped <laughs> with wit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, I always, always say we, we thought we were from normal families uh, until we, growing up, you know, we didn't we. We weren't exposed to much of the world. I mean, we lived on a, uh, a farm and ranch, and we went to Tampa, the closest town, about 40 miles. We went there maybe three times a year. I mean, we didn't get in it, and we went to school in Dade City, which was not much bigger than where we grew <laughs> up. Uh, so well, we were truly country boys. And uh, But when we got out, the thing started, uh, you know, we little success started, and we, we realized you know, our family is really different than other people. <laughs> yeah, they're you not. Know, our, our mother even had her own language that outside of the family, a lot of people didn't know what she was. She had certain words that just, there was no description for her. You know, you could not, uh, yeah, no the other, other people didn't understand. No, just, us. just just certain words <laughs> in her, like rinktum was one of her yeah, words. Yeah, yeah. And I got a rinktum for rinktum when she yeah, she got a little trick. Rinktum's a trick for her. Yeah, or a solution or a, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh -huh. 
And she, and she, she had saying that. She'd say, uh, she'd say, I'm, I'm, I'm having 90 duck fits. 90 duck fits. This, this things that people would not you know, know. If somebody you know, was excited, she would say, yeah. I, I, that, that lady had 90 duck fits. And, and uh, nobody would, you know, except us would know what she's talking about. But growing up in our, on our father's side, it was a, a musical talent, you know, and uh, with all that, we, we grew up, uh, you know, just with a strange sense of humor. And, and I think without that sense of humor, we would have never survived to this point in this career because, you know, some of the crazy things that have happened to us by labels and you just name it. I mean, it, then again, it's all in the book. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the sense of humor has help survival without being bitter about any of it. You know, you just have to laugh it off and go on. Yeah. No, and I hear you talk about family, and it's it's wonderful. I know that you guys live on a compound, or I don't want to mean a compound, but a large property in Florida, and your whole family is there. What's that on like? On the ranch. On the ranch, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long day. But, you know, and the hat should have tipped me off. Yeah. On the ranch, yes, of course. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it is... Think of Kennedy. Yeah, it's much looser than the Kennedy compound, I can tell you. But yeah, you know, for us that was normal. You know, uh, we lived. You know, our mother was an old Southern lady who, an old Southern matriarch, you know, lady who, who liked her all her kids. You know, she's like a mother hen. She wanted everybody, all the chickens under her wings. You know. Yeah. And and she 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 was like that till she died, and and. Um, you know, we ended up living like that, and we still do to some to some extent. That's wonderful. Raising horses. That's that's so so cool that you guys get to go home and, and do that. And uh, writing this book, I want to switch to talk about this book. I'm always curious whenever I talk to an author, somebody that's decided to write their memoirs. Why now? What was the Nate said? This is the right time. Well, uh, our answer is to why. Better be now because at, <laughs> our, getting, at our age, we're not getting younger. No, 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 no. It it's has not, And my asking that has nothing to do with age, but I'm talking circumstantially in your career. What made it felt like it was time well, we, to put these stories down? We've thought before about the book, but we, you know, our, our tour schedule still really, really heavy. And then this, and then this reality series came along. We started it, and it. We didn't really mean for it and the book to all hit at once, and it actually it ended up doing that. But the. Um, you know, I think the book really happened because we would be sitting around with people at dinner or backstage or whatever, and everybody always reverts back to road stories, you know, telling road stories about, you know, either about something that happened to us or something that happened to one of our roadies or some crazy. And people inevitably, they'd say, well, you guys need to write a book, you know. You've you got to write a book about all this stuff. So we finally we said, well, you know, we really need to make time and try to get it going. So we did. That's really wonderful. Writing a book, the reality show. Tell me a little bit about that. I actually hadn't heard about this reality show. Where's it airing? How'd that come about for for you? Well, it's uh, it's called the the, the uh, Honky Tonk Ranch, yep. and uh, it started airing two weeks ago on the Cowboy Channel. Oh, cool. And um, we had a couple of people approach us before about the the idea, and. Uh, never was quite right and then the cowboy channel started their thing up and they they said well do it the way you want to do it so we that's you know we got the the green light so we went ahead that's really cool all of these projects i have to ask if i am correct your most recent album of new music was 2012 is that correct new music oh, uh, years ago <laughs> years ago of, of new music yes well, well we we did a, a 40 
40 years. Yes. Well, see, our 40 years album actually had a new album on it. Yes. It was a collection. It was a, yes. yeah. One of the, yeah, the, the first CD was, mm-hmm. was uh, 20 hits, mm-hmm. and the second CD was all new music. Oh, very so, that cool. w- so that really would have been um, uh, 16, or f- the end of 15. Yeah, two, three and, years ago. Yeah. Do you keep writing? Do you want to? We, we have another Yeah, we have an album in the can now. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, we're going to, we're just kind of waiting until these projects are, are kind of all we don't want to compete against ourselves. <laughs> no, that makes sense. <laughs> so we're we're doing the book and the reality show right now, and then the new album will probably come either late fall or early spring. That's very very cool. I love your per- I love your perspective on music. I love your perspective on life. Last question I want to leave you with, guys, because I know you got to go eat. Is what is your advice? I want to hear from both of you. Uh, what is your advice for those coming up that want to do country music that want to? Uh, yeah. Don't listen to anybody in the music yeah. business. <laughs> yeah, advice is really hard to give, especially with the, the atmosphere of uh, things now and mm-hmm. and labels. Whatever a label is anymore, it's a totally different deal than it used to be because they take everything in the beginning anyway with their 360 deals. And and uh, we we used to say, you know, we used to say, go to law school first before you uh, <laughs> uh, become. Now a, that doesn't even work. No, that doesn't work either. <laughs> So, but it, it's it's really tough because and everyone's career is different, uh, you know. Everyone takes a different path, mm-hmm. and what worked for us may not work for them. But you know, the one thing, be sure of, just be make sure it's your passion and that's what you want to do, because it, it might not happen, you know. It just might not, and chances are greater against it happening than they are for it. But not to discourage at the same time, uh, you know, when you. When you're young and aspiring to do something, you, like us, we, we really never thought we, we didn't really ever think it was impossible to do this. You mm-hmm. know, in our minds, of, oh, that's, I know that's <laughs> we can do that. Yeah. You know, and that's the, you have to keep that attitude. Yeah, if you look at the odds now, you know, we would have been crazy to try it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, you, you can't, you can't let that get in the way, you know, and, and the thing about it is now is that, Music, country music, all of it really has become so, so, so much a formula and so much a, everybody's interested in, in creating a brand. There's no heart. And a corporation. It's, a, it's like corporate. It's, it, music now is like wallpaper. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, you used to, you used to really just live for it. Live for the next Merle Haggard song coming out or, or live for the next Waylon Jennings. People don't, you know, now it's just wallpaper. And, mm-hmm. and so, I don't know. I hope it, I hope it, goes back at some point I hope there's some people come along that you know that it's uh, just really great stuff but who knows well I think I think classic artists I think are having a comeback because I think people are just so tired of it well they do especially do they do in live live performances it's yeah. never been stronger we work more than we've ever worked in our lives mm-hmm. these, these days and what are the as responses? far as the charts I don't think I don't think there will ever be other hit, hit songs for older artists anymore. I think that's mm-hmm. you know that's just out the window. But uh, you know the, the demand is there. The market is incredible for classic country, and what it does do is keep you on the road for your entire life. You know. Well, that's one of the reasons also we started the reality show because it it's something because because the reality our our reality show is really almost I would describe it almost like it's almost like a weekly music video with reality show aspects mm-hmm. you know because um, you know we'll do something that's themed around redneck girl because mm-hmm. we'll take a classic hit you know and 
theme theme one of the shows around it or something. So it's um, in a lot of ways the reality show you know can sort of uh, you know remotivate our catalogs and, and stuff like that. And because uh, you can't get because you know radio it's not going to play you know except for classic country it's not going to really go out and play the new stuff that we we do. So next season we'll start introducing the new songs and new material. Very, very cool. It just takes you longer to saturate the market anymore than it used to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but you know our stuff that we did at a forty year old it's it yeah. continues to sell. Yes. It's not like it hits the charts and then go. It continues, you know, and, and you just the saturation time it's it takes much longer. And probably the reality show will do the same and the book. But at that same in the same thing it's it still works, you know, in our situation because we have our own label and you know, we're in no hurry now. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, nothing to prove at this point. Does that make it more fun? It does. It takes a certain pressure off. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, because you really don't have anything to prove at this point. You're yeah. just out there kind of doing what you yeah. want. And, and we're not really worried about what people think of us. You know, it's not, oh, i got to please the critics or i gotta, I got to please. We just, uh, the only people we are... We want to we want to leave a place after we play a show with everybody screaming and yelling for more. That's all we care about. That is wonderful. I'm going to do my little close here, and just say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. It's our pleasure. This I'm staring my childhood in the face, and, <laughs> and you don't know it. Thanks, man. And that's it for us today. Check out the Bellamy Brothers online at bellamybrothers.com and follow all their social media. Be very very sure to do that. Let Your Love Flow, Life and Times of the Bellamy Brothers is available now. And again, I've linked it below, but you got to go to our website and click the link in the episode description. Thank you, as always, to our season sponsors, Axtel Expressions and the Tangent Bound Network. Thanks always to our announcer, Gary Owen, who you heard at the top of the show. And remember to follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at talk for 2 And email me directly at talkfor2cast at gmail.com. And visit our website for the latest, talkfor2.com. Gentlemen. Thank you. You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfor2.com.